Today I'll be talking about building the character you actually want, building campaigns without bans, and avoiding the player versus DM vibe. I'm Zach Coleman, and this is Dungeon Man Dragon Master. Dip it down. It's the Dragon Master. So I want to tell you guys a story about my first D&D experience. Um, I didn't know anything about the game, and the DM was like, hey, go build some stuff, and come back and we'll play. So I was like, cool, that sounds great. And I made my character, and I didn't know anything. All I knew was I wanted to be super sneaky, and I wanted to play something like a dragon. So when I saw that Dragonborn was a race, I was like, oh, okay. Uh, so I, I did it. So I built a Dragonborn guy. Um, and this was, again, way back before Tasha's. So I, you know, it gave me the plus two to strength, plus one to charisma, I think it was. And I didn't know what to do with it. And I was like, okay, sneaky, that means rogue. That's what like that's what I'm supposed to be. So I did that. And then after like I hit level three at one point, and I was like, oh, but that's how I get magic, cause rogues can become arcane tricksters. Boom. So I built this this pre-Tasha's uh dragonborn arcane trickster and I hated it. I just I just hated it. It wasn't good. Like I didn't like it at all. And I racked my brain like, what, you know, what, what can I do? Oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not dealing any damage. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing anything. Ugh. And it took me a little bit. And then eventually I kind of ran out of time for a bit. I like getting really busy for a while. And so I put D&D away for a bit. And uh, I, I didn't go to the, the game anymore, but I was still looking into it at any like spare moment I had. I was reading into Dungeons and Dragons because the concept was just beautiful to me. And... Eventually, I got a hold of that DM when I when my schedule cleared up. I was like, hey, man, I'd love to come back to the game. It had been like a year or so. I was like, I'd love to come back to the game. Um, can I build a new character? And he was like, yeah, go ahead. And I built this new character, and he is officially my favorite character that I've ever built. Uh, <laughs> Tiefling Sorlock, of course. <laughs> um, but... I didn't know about the coffee lock thing at the time. I just, I, I liked the combination of the two, built it, played it, and it was, it was great. Um, but I want to, I want to talk about how to avoid that first character thing where you, you know, you, you build the guy and you're like, this is what I want. And then you play it and it's like, this is not what I want because it's not fun to, to be like, I did, I worked hard to make a thing and oh, it's bad. So. So let's go into that. So first of all, you kind of have to ignore like TV and video game versions of fantasy. It's it's not the same. You know, you always see the sneaky guy is the rogue. Well, yes, but there are other ways to be sneaky, right? There's other ways to do those things. Just because the strongest guy in one thing uses a giant axe does not mean that you have to use a giant axe if you want to be super strong. You could use a giant hammer. You could use a big sword. You could use your fists. Like all of them work. You just have to figure out what it is. And the big thing is to study the options, right? Because when you say, for example, oh, I want to be sneaky, quote unquote, you, you immediately go to the thing that is sneaky, a thief, a rogue, right? That's where your brain goes. But there are spells that do that. And, and furthermore, stealth is an ability, like anybody can do that. So, you know, a bard could put expertise in stealth. You're just as sneaky as a rogue, right? All, all that stuff goes together. And it's, it's more about deciding what you want to be good at and going from there. And that's, I mean, that's the biggest part of it is just decide what you want to be good at and then find your options. If, if you want to be uh, the, the best magic user, right? All right. There are 
plenty. So what kind of magic do you want to do? Right. And furthermore, I mean, it's more than just that. That's pretty general. Dig down a little bit, right? Like if you're in combat with your friends, what do you want to be doing? Do you want to be the one that's out front getting everyone's attention? Oh, look at me. Taking hits, right? If that's what you want to do, then build for that. Build for high AC, build for high HP, right? Build for resistances, that kind of stuff. Do you want to be out there dealing a lot of damage? Okay, find ways to deal a lot of damage. Do you want to be doing it with melee things or whatever? Then you're going to want to build a fighter who can hit 17 times in one turn. Uh, Echo Knight. Uh, do, do you want to be slinging spells? Okay, well, there's 7,000 spellcasters. We just said that, right? Like you can, you can do whatever you want in that situation. You just have to build properly. And then it goes into how many resources do you want to keep track of? If you don't want to keep track of any, play a fighter done if you want to keep if, if you think you're good at that and you're like nah i can you know i want i want a little more versatility with a little more outcome then you go with your spellcasters and you're casting fireball every other turn because that's all that wizards ever do or you're playing a uh, a druid and it's like all right spike growth entangle all i do is make sure that those baddies don't move it, it it's all valid you just have to figure out that and then build from that i have 24 characters already built. They're just ready to go at level 10. So if I were to jump into a new game right now, depending on what I would want to do with it, meaning like if I'm trying to play it completely randomized and, and uh, you know, fly by the seat of your pants, build it as we go along, that kind of thing. If I were going to do that, then clearly I would just find some random stuff and go. But if I were to start a new campaign right now, I'd probably take one of those 24 characters Put them at level one. And you see already, I know what they look like at level 10. I've planned that ahead. I, I look at the stats when I'm done and I say, okay, this is this is what I'm looking at. Here we go. The game I'm playing in currently, uh, I'm playing one of those characters and I'm having a hard time knowing exactly where he's going to go, but I'm seeing the power spikes in my head, right? Like I see, okay, at this level, I get better at this level. I get better at this level. Not really, but I need it to set up to get to this level, right? Like I'm, you, you find those things. I'm not saying that before you play any game of D and D, you have to build your character at level 20 to know like, this is the ultimate. This is what I'm trying to become. Like you don't need to, that's, that's, way more intense than need be. You play it how you want to play it. But to avoid the concept of, I want to do this thing and this thing and this thing, so I'll put these together, which I've been told is the right thing. Just a little, just that little bit of foresight to go, you know what, I want to accomplish this first. That's that's where you're going to get with it. That's what's going to make it a lot more fun for you. And, and just ask around, man. Your DM is your lifeline for pretty much everything in the campaign considering they have the ability to do anything in the campaign so what you want to do is okay hey dm how you know how much is there going to be like an espionage kind of thing right do i need to be sneaky or or what are the odds that there are going to be big structures that we're trying to get into right do i really care if i can deal a whole bunch of damage to a wall does it matter? Um, one of the ones that I had trouble with was I, I built very, not deceptive, I guess, but very, very charisma based uh, with my Sorlock, obviously. And the DM of the game that I was playing wasn't 
super into making you roll a whole lot socially. Um, technically speaking, socially, it was more or less, can you say the right thing? Made it a little bit more of a game than a story, which is fine. If that's the way you want to play the game, do that. But you have to be aware of those things ahead of time to know what you're going to be doing. And of course, your friends might help you as well. So do your research, do what you got to do, ask around, make some friends, see what you got, build the character you actually want. And maybe you'll have 24 characters on standby someday. Who knows? Moving right along, I want to talk about uh, building campaigns without bands. I, you know, I do a lot of research on D&D stuff because I'm a nerd. And one of the big things I find is people talking about banning things at their at their tables, uh, be them races or, or subclasses or, or mostly spells. Mostly spells are what gets banned. It kind of gets to me a little bit. I, I don't understand why something would need to be banned in the first place, I guess. Uh, the game is about uh, a player being able to do something great be creative. So if somebody has some creative thing to do with a, a spell that's in the game or a or a race or whatever, why are we against that? I, I don't I don't really understand it. Um, but I gave you some examples of it. One of the big ones that I've heard a lot, and I think adventures leagues do this, uh, is any race that starts with flight. They like to ban those. And I, I mean, again, I understand it, um, but I don't. Th- I, I don't know. Flight doesn't seem like it's that broken. Flight is really good in that if you're in an open field and you have a really good ranged attack, that means that you don't have to worry about people getting to you, assuming that they're all melee. First of all, are they all melee? And second of all, can they fly also? Like, there's a lot that goes into it. I, I don't know. I don't I don't feel like it's really that broken. And furthermore, the bread and butter of D&D is the first word of the... the it's the first D, Dungeons. Generally speaking, dungeons don't have 30, 40, 50, 60 foot high ceilings, usually pretty low to the ground. So flight doesn't really make that much of a difference. You can't fly up 10 feet and then be unhittable. You cover a five foot space. That's within five feet of anything on the ground. I I digress. I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. But let's go into the spells because that's a little bit more common, I guess. Um, I'll give you some examples. People like to ban Counterspell because it can stop your big, bad, evil wizard from casting their super spell. Um, and then it gets into this like Counterspell back and forth of, I Counterspell your Counterspell, or I Counterspell your Counterspell. <sighs> Who cares, man? If someone wants to play a character who's like, no, there shall not be evil magic in my presence. Good. That sounds like an awesome character. The other one's Heat Metal. Uh, it's a second level spell and uh, deals 2D fire damage to anything touching whatever metal you heated. And if they're wearing it or holding it, they have to make a con save or they drop it. And if they don't drop it, they have disadvantage on everything. What's wrong with that? That sounds that sounds pretty cool. First of all, they've got to burn a second level slot for it. So that's kind of intense. And it's not really that much damage. 2D8 of fire damage. So it's not even a, it's not even a fire bolt when you can cast this, and then you're basically giving them the poisoned condition as long as they hold the thing, but if they don't hold the thing, they can still grapple you, they can run away, they can pick up something else or a different weapon, maybe their AC gets a little lower because they take off a thing. I I don't know, it doesn't seem that awful to me, and if again, if that's the kind of player someone wants to be, go for it. 
and I'll bust through a couple of them. Zone of Truth, Charisma Save, or You Can't Lie, whatever. It, it, it's pretty much good for a couple of things. Plus, everyone knows if they failed the save or not, so they can just avoid your questions and be evasive. If there's someone keeping secrets, odds are good they're going to be able to do that. Tasha's Hideous Laughter, first level wisdom save where they go prone and incapacitated. Yeah, but it's only one at a time. Not really worried about it. Remove Curse. That one's, I don't really understand, I guess. It's a third level spell, um, and it removes the curse from a person or an object. If it's a cursed item, the curse stays, but the person is unattuned from it. So the only reason I can see somebody wanting this band at their table is to say, I want to give you a cursed item. Haha, <laughs> now you're cursed forever. Why? Okay, they took it off. Now they don't get the benefit. It's going back to being neutral. I don't know. Just seems fine to me. Healing Spirit is another one that I've seen a lot. Uh, it's a second level spell. Lasts for a minute. Um, and basically anything within the spirits area can be healed a D6 um, a number of times up to one plus your spellcasting modifier. So uh, if you've maxed out your, your spellcasting ability, it's six times. So you get 6d6 of healing. I don't know. It doesn't sound that bad. <laughs> and I mean, it's anybody. So if everyone's taken three hits, then you can heal your entire party at once. That's fine. But I don't know, three HP per person. That doesn't sound like it's that broken. And the last one, and I actually, I actually have a problem with this that people want to ban at their tables is wish. Why? Other than the fact that your player is essentially becoming semi-godlike because they can cast a spell that can do legitimately anything, assuming you allow it to, that's in the spell. Once you hit that level, yeah, you're supposed to be able to. In comparison to the levels, a level 20 is not what we expect like the top martial artist or a pro at whatever they're doing in the real world to be. They're not level 20. Level 20 is four of them could kill a god. That's what we're talking about here. So yeah, I would expect that somebody at that level of power can do just about anything. And let's take this to an even different place. Because if you think about it, Wish is not all that broken. Yes, it can do anything, but I want to read to you the last line of the wish spell because there's a lot of downsides to it. You you take damage uh, based on how much stress you take from it and all that stuff, but the last line of it is this. Finally, there is a 33% chance that you are unable to cast wish ever again if you suffer this stress. Like what? So let your dude keep casting it. There's a 33% chance that it's never going to happen again. They'll get to do it like one or two times. Now, there's a chance that they'll never roll it. Fine. So you roll a D100, and if it's a 33 or lower, then they never get to cast it again. That sounds pretty balanced to me. It's a spell that can do anything, but maybe you never get to do it again. I don't know. It just sounds... It sounds fine. Give the guy a little bit of credit. He can do anything he wants. He reached level 20. <laughs> Don't think of the player. Think of the character. This character worked so hard to get there. Why not? I guess my point is, nothing in the game is actually broken. As the DM, we can create things that can affect that stuff. A wish spell can never be cast again. Heat metal? Okay. Everything has natural armor. Ta-da! Tasha's hideous laughter, okay, everything has a wisdom save of 700, right? Like, you can fix those things. Should you? I don't think so. But 
it's possible. But furthermore than that, this was a game developed so that a DM could create a world and mediate a story. And it allows players to become fantastical heroes. Why do we want to stop them from doing that? We can just make it harder as DMs. We can just make it more challenging as DMs. We can do that. That's okay. So let's let's talk about what to do instead of banning, right? How can we solve the problem, if there even is one, which I don't think there is, without laying down the ban hammer? What can we do about this? And I think there are plenty of options. And counterbalancing is a huge one. If you put sending everybody into combat and they're way good at combat, okay, figure out on average how much damage your party is dealing and make your pool of baddies higher than that up to, I don't know, three or four rounds. Do you want it to be a big battle? Make their HP that big. And if you want it to be even longer than that, you know, add a couple points to their AC. For some reason, maybe they have magic armor that dissolves when they die so your players can't get it. Oh, shucks. Right? Maybe they've got really good spells. Maybe they have counterspell as a reaction that is just something they can do as opposed to it being casting the spell counterspell. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a lot that you can do about it that players will get interested in. So if you let me build my character the way that I want to and you don't try and mitigate it too much, I'm going to be more likely to say, wow, that was a really hard enemy. Thank God we were able to get through it, right? Like, oh, that spellcaster was ridiculous. I, you know, I, I tried to counterspell him, but man, he had some really good moves up there. I, did, I, I wasted all my third level spell slots on counterspell, which is another reason why most of these spells are not broken. They still have to pay for it. So anyway, there's just a lot we can do about that. I think that letting players build the way they want to play is a lot more important than banning things that might or might not affect the table one way or the other. But it's your table. You run it the way you want to run it. And uh, hopefully you all have a good time. I'm sure you will. Rounding things off, I just want to talk about the uh, the player versus DM vibe that I think some tables can fall into. I don't think anybody intends to do that. I don't think a lot of people start a game with, you know, I don't think a DM says, "Oh, I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna beat those players so hard," grr, and I don't think any of the players go, "Oh, I'm gonna, oh, that DM is gonna feel my rat." I don't think anybody does that. I think it's a, a byproduct of some other things that come up. At the end of the day, D&D is a group activity. Like, we're all friends. We all want to accomplish the same thing. We all want to make an epic story. We all want to watch the heroes beat the bad guy at the end. Um, and I think there's just some little things in there. You know, like, nobody nobody plays a Mario game and beats it and goes, Ha! Take that, Nintendo! Buh, got you! Your, your game is... Buh, beat you! And of course, Nintendo doesn't say, You know what? I'm going to make a game that no player can beat. And then just the first level, there's like 17 Bowsers that just fall on you and there's nothing you can do about it. Like, nobody does that. They're not like that. It's, it's, it's just about finding the, 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 the middle ground between DM and player. It's more detrimental than one might think if it's like, oh, well, the players want to beat the DM. Well, yeah, the DM controls all the bad guys, and the DM wants to beat the players. Well, yeah, if he doesn't, then it's going to get boring. Kind of. But too much of it causes a lack of interest in the game. As a player, you get to that point where it's like, oh, well, you know, it doesn't matter how I build my character. He's just going to put in things that I can't, you know, I, I've built my guy to be super good at persuading people. 
So he's going to make us go up against a whole bunch of orcs that are hard headed and they have to have roll a, you know, a, a persuasion DC of like 78 to make sure I can do like eventually the player feels like there's nothing they can do. And eventually the DM feels like, why would I want to reward the players? You know, they, they just want to beat me. Like, I don't want to give, they don't want to be like the satisfaction of beating me. You did it. And also here's a bunch of magic items and gold and stuff. It just makes people not want to play as much anymore. And I, and I, I don't like that. I think that this is a great game and we should love it like that. So how do we fix that? What, what, is, what is the process of making sure that none of that actually happens and that we can keep it together? I think it's twofold. I think anybody can start it and we just have to nip it in the bud immediately. DMs, if I were you, I would treat it like a movie, right? You want the hero succeed, but you don't want it to be boring, right? So at the end of the day, you're not going to say, here's this party of four and they've, they, you know, they're very well balanced and they're, you know, they're level, let's say seven and oh, they're, they're, they're doing pretty good for level sevens. I think they're ready to take some stuff on. Let's throw three ancient dragons at them. That'll show them. Yeah, I am God. I can do what I want. You know, no, they're going to then think that you're a jerk. But if you say, all right, listen, They've got these skills. They have a they have a, a blind spot, and that blind spot is uh, they have horrible constitution saves. All right, throw in something that forces constitution saves, but not enough so that they're going to die from it the first time they fail. It's then a challenge. We're making as DMs, we're making a challenge. We're not trying to kill them. Because <laughs> if we were trying to kill them, we could do that by saying, and uh, Mirkul, the god of death, strikes you down uh, with 400 d12 of necrotic damage. Oh, you resisted to necrotic damage? It's still 400 d12, right? Like, it doesn't matter at a certain point. But you get to be the creator that says to them, okay, here's what you've built. Here's your challenge. Go. And if you look at any of the modules, I mean, none of the none of the modules that Wizards puts out have. Uh, by the way, if your if your team has three barbarians in it, make sure you only run it with these magic guys that are from really far away. And there's a a thirty foot trench right in front of them. They can shoot over it, uh, but nobody can cross it because it's made of poisonous water. Like that's that's not a. Th- thing. There's no reason to do that. Um, and I think that your players are going to appreciate it more because they like to overcome challenges, but they don't like when the stuff that they have built their character to do is useless. And players, we are not totally innocent in that process. I feel like there's a lot of times where we go, I mean, I had this just recently, a, a player of mine in our game we were done with one session and we were going to burn down this mansion that had a bunch of bad guys in it. We were like, you know, there's nothing that we care about. We're just going to burn it down because there's so many of them. We did some recon and uh, that's the plan. We're just going to burn it down. The session ended before we could start that plan. And he texted me later. We have a group text with the, the, the players and the DM. And he texted me directly. It's like, hey, I want to tell you my plan when the DM can't see it, right? I want to do that so that uh, she can't like, you know, stop the plan why would she stop the plan? Like, I don't under, like, I don't understand why that would be the case. She 
doesn't want to kill us. It's if we've got a good plan, it's a good plan. And how many times in a movie do you love it when the hero's plan comes together and everything works perfectly and it's beautiful? And so we did. The next week we got together, we did it, and the plan worked great. It didn't work flawlessly, but it worked great and it did a lot of good things and we and everyone had a great time with it. My concept was why not let the DM know that we're going to do it? What's What's the difference? And I think it's important that we as players understand the DM is basically just the physics. They don't make decisions as to whether or not things work or don't work. That's why we use dice. That's why if you want to, I don't know, seduce a barmaid, it's not about whether or not the DM wants you to do it. It's about rolling a die. And the DM has a realistic, or should, level of difficulty for that. So when you roll, you go, okay, did you or did you not? We don't know. The dice will tell us. The only thing that the DM does is control the physics of the game. It's honestly better for them to know what you're trying to accomplish. I had this in a game a long time ago where I was trying to intimidate this entire village who was gathered around because they were super not giving me all the information. And I and I yelled some stuff. And I, I had built my character to be able to do that. To intimidation, persuasion, deception, all of the charisma skills were my bread and butter. And I wanted to do that and I did it and I knew my DM. Like I like my DM was not about like social roles. He didn't like those as much. And so I got to the end of my rah, rah, big speech and I said, please let me roll intimidation. And he was like, yeah, sure. That was great. If I hadn't said, please let me roll intimidation, he wouldn't have thought to do that because that's just not the mindset that he's in with the game. And so when I said, I'm trying to intimidate them, he said, okay, roll intimidation. I don't think I created it, but my number definitely started with a two and ended with a different number. So that's good. Um, and it all worked out great. That's the point. We're working together to tell this story. And the more that we try this player versus DM vibe, the more that the player tries to beat the DM at their own game, and the more the, the DM tries to make all of the players work futile for this reason or that, the more we do that, the less we're telling a story, and the more we're bickering without actually cussing each other out. Thank you so much for listening. If you know anybody who you think might enjoy what I've got to say, send them my way, and I will see you next time on Dungeon Man Dragon Master. That was the Dragon Master. Oh.